everybody, and welcome to Quest Online. I'm so excited that you decided to join me tonight. I am always blessed and very, very honored to stand here behind this pulpit. Um, there we have the greatest pastor and preacher in the nation, my dad, Pastor Rick Hawkins, and to stand behind here after he has been on a roll with the blessing is quite intimidating. So I'm going to do my very best, and I'm going to say what God has told me to say, and I really think that he's told me some really great things, and I'm excited to share it with you this evening. Thank you for everybody that's in the building tonight. I'm excited to have you with us. Church is not quite the same, but that's okay. We are taking this one week at a time, and I'm actually very grateful for the things that he has done during this new season of church, right? So, as you know, if you're a part of Quest Church or you're part of Quest Nation, you know that we have been studying this beautifully written book, The Blessing, by our pastor. And um, every Sunday, we have gotten the most incredible messages from this book, The Blessing. And I encourage you, if you don't have it, to please pick it up. It will bless your life. Um, so today he talked about the Beatitudes today, I think was chapter 18. So we're going to touch a little bit on that today. Actually, we're going to touch a lot on that today. He talked about the Indeed blessing a couple of weeks ago, and it literally kind of wrecked me. Um, I was supposed to go to the camera after service and dismiss for the online, and I couldn't. I told Pastor Josh, help I'm a wreck. I need you to, you know, do that for me. But it, it really spoke to me. He talked about that life is not necessarily about good and evil. It's more about the curse and the blessing. It's about living either a cursed life or a blessed life and how God is just wanting you to get more. He wants you to push for more. He's waiting for you to step outside of your tent and look at the stars because God says that's everything that he can do for you. And it really spoke to me so clearly. But before we can receive that type of blessing, we have to look inward, right? We have to look at our person and who we are as an individual. And during our time of society right now, culture is pretty jacked up. Um, and it's hard to be a Christian and live in the society and the culture that we're living in now because we have social media and we have the news and we have everything screaming at us about what we should be and how we should react and how we should respond as Christians. But guess what? We're not of this world. We're living in this world, but we are not of this world. So there's where we come to the Beatitudes, what, we were t what my dad was doing his devotional on this morning, and it really blessed me. In Matthew 5 and verse 1, you could see how Jesus pulls away from the crowd. He's doing all of these signs and wonders and miracles in Galilee, right? And he, he all of a sudden pulls away, and he climbs up the mountain, and his disciples notice and they climb up with him. This is where he presents to them the idea of going against the culture and challenging them with the idea to not be of this world and not conforming. He challenges them to take an inward look at themselves in order to receive the full blessings that are in heaven for us. I would like to think that maybe in the midst of the miracles that he was doing for the people, that he remembered his disciples He's doing all these miracles and all these wonders, and I can kind of see Jesus maybe stopping and saying, 
you know what, I need to have a meeting with my guys real quick. So he goes up to the mountain. They climb with him. And a moment where it became more than just about the miracles and healings that he was doing, it was more about the blessings that he wanted to tell them about. He wanted them to look at themselves for a second. You can't have all these miracles and wonders continue until change starts from right in here. And God wants us to take a look at ourselves. They needed to hear about how to be in the world, but not of this world. So let's go to Matthew 5, and let's read through this real quick. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. He opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How many of you have that's happened to you before? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven, and it is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. I want to talk to you about counterculture. Everybody, you could say that with me. The blessing of counterculture. Okay? It's going against or deviating from those of a dominant culture. And it's pretty clear that there is a dominant culture in our society today. It's very clear in our teenagers. It's very clear in our children. It's very clear on Facebook and on Instagram. The culture is dominant. But God is wanting us to be counterculture Christians, okay? So let's talk about the blessing versus culture. In verse 3, it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit actually mean? Well, the word poor there means humble. Interesting. Humble in spirit. Seeing yourself as who you truly are. And realizing you're really nothing without him. How many of you have had a moment where you've had to look in the mirror and say, well, this is who I truly am, right? And Jesus helped me. Okay? And if you haven't had that moment, I encourage you to. I encourage you to have that humbling moment for yourself. Acknowledging the Father is what gives you the keys to the kingdom. It's not you. It's not you. You're not here to hear me. I'm not here tonight 
to give you my thoughts and my philosophy and all of the great things I think I have to say. I'm here to deliver what I think is the word of God. So therefore, I have to humble myself and ask God, what is it that you want me to say, Lord? I don't want to say what I want to say. There are things that I want to say tonight that would be contradictory to what God really wanted me to say, right? So it's to humble, humble in spirit. So much of our culture today tells us to be boastful and proud and showing yourself off with no acknowledgement of God. Teenagers, I'm really glad you're in here tonight. I think this section will really help you. It's very difficult, and I'll just say this because I have two teenagers, and they're probably going to be like, oh, my God, Mom. But, you know, I have to do what I have to do. So I can't stand social media for teenagers. I'm just going to say it. It is virtually impossible to look at your daughter in the eye and tell her you're beautiful, you're created wonderfully, you're in the image of God, you, you were born for greatness. When they're staring at Instagram all day and Instagram is saying, hi, I'm Kylie Jenner, I need you to have my body and look, at, look like me, I need you to dress like me, I need you to act like me, I need you to be an influencer, at least try to be an influencer, and if you even don't look like an influencer, then what are you even worth? It's so difficult as a parent to teach your kids humility in this day and age because they're taught to be proud. They're taught to be boastful. Everything is about me, me, me. I did this and I did that. And it's detrimental to your soul and your spirit. Pride comes before what? The fall. In Proverbs 22, 4, it says the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. The reward for the humble and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Why would you need anything else? If I had riches from God and honor from him and a life within him, that's all I need. Amen? Let's go on to number two. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be be comforted. Many of us think that this means people that are going through a hard time, they're, you know, that someone has passed away, or they're going through hard times in life, that God will be their comforter. That is true. In this scripture, mourn means suffering. But guess what it also means? I loved this. This scripture offer also references mourning our sins and our sinful nature. What does that mean? When you recognize the sin in your life and you say, God, I'm sorry. I see that. I recognize that. That's a curse mentality. And I'm sorry, God. That is mourning. That's the kind of mourning that they're talking, that he's talking about in this scripture. Once you can recognize your faults, you can recognize your sin, your proud nature, right? Your false humility, your lustful nature. I mean, the list goes on and on, and I am included in that list. Trust me. There's many, many times where I have had to look in the mirror and say, that is a sinful nature. And God, I'm sorry. And guess what? 
Culture is the exact opposite. This is what culture says to us. You do you, boo. You live your life the way you want to live your life. You want to act like that, dress like that, look like that, smoke that, drink that, do that. You do you, boo. You do you. That's what our culture tells us. It's time to be counterculture Christians. Culture says you live your life how you want to do it. You do what you want to do. You don't have to change for anyone. Then this is giving yourself away to a cursed way of living. You've become conformed to the culture of society. And guess what? Now you've created bad patterns in your life. You've created cycles. You know, our pastor has been talking about living that curse cycle life where just keep showing up, showing up in your generation and then your children's generation, your, your dad's generation. That curse keeps showing up in your life, in your life, in your life. Guess what? Because you didn't recognize the sin or you didn't want to recognize the sin in your life and say it stops with me. You've created patterns and cycles that will ultimately be passed down to your children generation after generation. Mourning means stopping the curse with you and asking God to forgive you and turn from those ways. Then the second part of that scripture, it says, for they shall be comforted. So it's not about just saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so sinful. I have all these sins. I'm so dirty, God. Oh, you can't even look at me. No, he wants you to say that so that he can say, good, now come here. I want to love on you. There's no greater feeling than the Father forgiving you and then comforting you and wrapping his loving arms around you and telling telling you, now go change your ways, and do better. Do better. That's what that means. Let's go on. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Gentle here means meekness. Meek does not mean weak. Meek does not mean weak, right? To be meek is to be kind and gentle, to be submissive or compliant, to be tame, to be humbly patient, a lot of those words people don't like. They're like, what? Tame? Nobody going to tame me. Submissive? I ain't submitting to nobody. I'm not submitting to a pastor. I'm not submitting to my husband. Well, baby, that's probably why you're not married yet. Until you can humble yourself and say, Lord, okay, I'm talking to the single ladies right now. And I don't know why, okay? But I'm going to do it. Ladies, teenagers too, go ahead and write this down because one day you're going to be married. Learn to start submitting yourself to God. Learn to start submitting yourself to a church and to a pastor. That will help train your heart for when that man comes in your life, a godly man, it will be easy to submit to him as your husband. Now, submitting to your husband does not mean he tells you what to do and he says you can't work. You go stay your butt in the kitchen and you're going to cook and stay pregnant. Give me babies. Guess what? That's what I do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's because I want to. It's because I love babies and I love cooking. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just kidding, baby. No, but it's, it means to be submissive. Being meek does not mean being weak. 
Mostly culture today is anything but kind, submissive, or compliant. We are constantly shown and taught to scream out our opinions, our viewpoints, and condemn those that don't agree with us or that they don't see it our way. It's constant. Every day. Every day. Every day. Oh, can't be friends with them anymore. Block, 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 block. They said that. I don't like them no more. I mean, it's just running rampant in our culture. When was the last time we surrendered to a spirit of meekness and allowed our souls to be renewed and rest? What do I mean by that? Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I, Jesus Christ, I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I love the Message Bible's interpretation of the scripture. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Yes, I am. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, the unforced rhythms of grace. That means grace never stops. If it's a rhythm, it's going. It never stops. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. God is the perfect example of how to live a gentle and meek, not weak, life. Let your burden be easy on others. Don't put your heavy burden on someone else. Be meek and be gentle. Amen? Amen. Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I love this one. Hunger here means to toil for daily substance, nourishment, right? Thirst here means eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. Righteousness, listen closely here, righteousness means integrity, virtue, purity of life, correctness of thinking and feeling, and acting. Righteousness does not mean to be a holier-than-thou Christian. Your extra-large halo on your head does not mean anything to God if you do not have integrity and virtue. I hate to tell you that. Righteousness does not mean that you are there to condemn others and tell, each, and tell others how perfect you are and how unperfect they are. That's not what righteousness means. It means integrity. Another thing I think is interesting about this is I see such a hunger and such a thirst for this type of life in our society. A thirst for peace, a thirst for good vibes, right? A hunger for, you know, good vibes and clearing the air. There's a lot of that going on, right? This mystical whole thing. Can I just help you with something? Just because culture tells you to burn sage to get the evil spirits away doesn't mean that that's going to work. I'm sorry. 
It doesn't matter how many crystals you have. I don't care if you burn sage. It could be you putting you got to put this crystal at this window and then you wear this crystal and put it in the sun and then it will create energy for you and then you hold it close and then you um and then you know and then you chant and then you're good to go because that'll give me you know purity of thinking and peace and uh, no my bible tells me that greater is he that is in me than it is of the world right my God tells me that his power lives in me. His power lives in me. Baby, you could burn a whole field of sage, and it's not going to help your soul. You can burn a whole field of sage, and you're not going to clear any evil spirits out. The only spirit that you're creating is an evil spirit because it is of witchcraft. I do not understand when I see Christians or people that say they are Christians on Instagram burning sage or showing pictures of their crystals. I'm like, I'm sorry, do you have the power of Christ living in you? Do you? Because if you do, you surely don't need to be burning nothing. I'm sorry. Romans 8, 11 says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. You need to recognize the spirit of God living in you. That is righteousness. If you are hungry and thirsty for God and you want his spirit so badly to live inside of you, there is no amount of sage or crystals that can satisfy that. Be a counterculture Christian. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This one is pretty straightforward. The word mercy here is the same word that is used in Matthew 20, 29. The word mercy in this scripture made Jesus stop and show compassion. Matthew 20, 29, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. And he called them and said, what do you want from me? And they said, Lord, we want our eyes to be open. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Culture tells us to hang people out to dry. Culture exposes mistakes. Culture exposes sin. We are so ready to call people out on their mishaps. We are so ready to show others someone else's faults or imperfections. They're going to be nice to you. You're going to say something that is a little off to them. They're going to turn around and they're going to go tell somebody else what you said just to make you look bad. Is that showing mercy? No. Our culture doesn't teach us to stop and show compassion to those that are hurting to those that have done wrong and sinned, to those that are not like us. 
But the only way to receive the most important gift of mercy, which is the mercy from the Father, is to give it and to show it. I wasn't going to say this or talk about this, but I think I am. And it's probably, I'm probably going to get a lot of unfriends, but that's okay. I was really disappointed in the Christian community when Chrissy Teigen posted about her loss of her child. The Christian community ripped her to shreds. You're pro-abortion. Why do you even care that you lost your baby? You don't even say lost your baby. You say lost your pregnancy. She is this. She is that. She sacrifices humans. Like, are you kidding me? It is not our job and our place as Christians to condemn what we think. Have you had a conversation with her? Do you know the pain that she's probably going through? That loss? Have you ever experienced that loss? And if you have, shame on you for condemning another woman going through something like that, even if she's a celebrity. Celebrities have feelings. Celebrities have feelings, you guys. They read the comments. I think it's silly to comment on celebrities' posts about how much you hate them. It's ridiculous. It is not our job. I'll get off of that now. But I'm, I'm, I'm begging you guys to be counterculture Christians. Don't be of the world. Don't be like the world. Give compassion. Give mercy. We don't know about those two blind men and what they did, what their lives were like, what they did before they were blind. We don't know. Did Jesus ask? Did Jesus ask, how's your daily life? Are you sinning? I'll show you mercy if you're a holy, if you're holy guys. He didn't do that. He heard that they needed help, and he stopped, and he showed them mercy, and they were healed. That is our job. That is our job. Especially if we are the reflection of Christ. I love you guys. I really am happy about this message. I'm not mad. I just had a moment. All right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The word pure here means purified by fire. And it also free from corrupt desire and from sin and guilt. In order to see God, you have to deny your fleshly desires, right? Those desires that want to corrupt your innocence. Teenagers, I'm talking to you. Those desires that want to corrupt your purity. Teenagers, I'm talking to you. The desires that eventually bring you guilt and shame. Those desires feel good for a moment, right? But man, do they bring bad guilt and shame afterwards. We're all apart and guilty of corrupt thoughts. Our culture freely gives out corrupt imagery and advertisement. Freely. All to put your heart in a trap. Guys, that's what it's about. It's a trap. I know I'm a mom and y'all are probably like, I don't want to hear this, but I don't care. It wants to put your heart in a trap. That trap, that curse wants wants to keep you from seeing God for who he really is. A loving 
and forgiving father. The curse wants to trap your heart and mind into thinking that your sin and your guilt got you way too far to be pure again. But guess what? God wants to put you through the fire. Purify our hearts, Lord, with fire. And when he does, when he puts you through that fire, your heart will then become pure again. Don't get caught up in the culture trap, okay? Don't get caught up in the culture trap. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons and and daughters of God. A peacemaker here literally means one who works for peace, one who works towards peace. Clearly, (laughs) in our culture, in our society right now, there's not many peacemakers, right? Social media, everything, everything. I mean, I keep saying social media, but it's literally everything opposes working towards peace. In Isaiah 6, 9, it says, Our Savior is the Prince of Peace. If he is the ruler of our lives, he's the king of our hearts, and he is the Prince of Peace, why is it so hard for us to work towards peace? Why are we not a reflection of him? Ephesians 2, 14 through 16 says, "For I love this. Oh, I love this. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He unites Jews and Gentiles, Republicans and Democrats, into one people. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles, Republicans and Democrats, by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, together as one body. Christ reconciled both groups to God. (gasps) Both groups? Yes, both groups. By means of his death, on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Guess what, guys? God already died for this controversy. He already put it to death on the cross. Why are we still coming at each other? Why is there so much hostility? Why do you have to have everybody agree with you? Do you not think that the enemy is not rejoicing in our hostility towards one another? It is so easy to get caught up in the feuds and the fights of the flesh of this world. And it is much, much harder to stand in the middle and work towards peace. It's so hard to be the peacemaker and work towards peace. I don't know about you, but I would rather work towards peace and be called a daughter and an heir of Christ than to fight for opposition of any side or label of this world. Be a counterculture Christian. Don't get caught up. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed 
are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me? These two go hand in hand. I'm not separating them. Listen, worldly culture is fighting for you to conform. And when you don't, there will be opposition. There will be persecution. It's already said for us. There will be opposition and persecution. It's okay. Just stand in the middle as the peacemaker. When you are doing good, the devil is right there knocking you off, trying to knock you off your tracks. Don't get discouraged. I'm going to end it by saying this. Stay humble despite what culture says. Realize the sin in your life and give it to God despite what culture says. Submit to Jesus with meekness despite what culture says. Submit to Jesus with meekness. Submit to Jesus with meekness. Despite what culture says, hunger and thirst for the presence of God in your life. Despite what culture says, show mercy even when it's undeserving. Despite what culture says. Ask God to purify your heart. Despite what culture says. Work towards creating peace in your generation. Despite what culture says. You are the salt and the light of this world. Do not conform. Do not be uh, Conform to the culture of society. Be a counterculture Christian. Allow that type of blessing in your life. When you become a counterculture Christian, then you could step out of your tent and see the blessings. Just look up in the stars in the sky and see the blessings that he has for you. Then you can say, God, give me more. I want more. I don't wanna just live right here. I don't wanna live in this cursed mentality and this cursed mindset. Get yourself checked on the inside, on the very deep depths of your spirit and your heart and in your soul. Allow the spirit of God to fill your heart, fill your mind, fill your home, your intentions, your thoughts, your desires, your attitude. Every day when you wake up in the morning, you ask God, make me a peacemaker, Lord. Keep me humble. Keep me meek, God. I just want to do what you want me to do, and I want more, God. I want more of your blessing. I want more of your promises. I know that there is more for me than just living in a cursed mentality, and I believe that for you. I believe that cycles can be broken off of your life if you just let God in. Let him purify your heart. Amen. There is nothing more important than allowing God to have complete control over your life. Be a counterculture Christian. Amen. I'm so glad you joined me today. I hope that you learned something. I hope it helped you. I hope it touched you. God is going to do great things in your life. Be blessed, success to you, and success to the kingdom of God.